right, with that then, let's go to our first reading, uh, that New Testament slot now being occupied by the Psalms. We'll read Psalm 35. Psalm 35, verse 1. Hear now the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. A Psalm of David. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler. Stand up for mine help. Draw out also the spear and stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to confusion that devise my hurt. Let them be as chaff before the wind, and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery, and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. For without cause have they hid for me their net in a pit, which without cause they have digged for my soul. Let destruction come upon him at unawares, and let his net that he hath hid catch himself. Into that very destruction let him fall. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which deliverest the poor from him that is too strong for him, yea, the poor and needy from him that spoileth him. False witnesses did rise up. They laid to my charge things that I knew not. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned into mine own bosom. I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. But in mine adversity they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. Yea, the abjects gathered themselves together against me, and I knew it not. They did tear me and ceased not. With hypocritical mockers in feasts they gnashed upon me with their teeth. Lord, how long wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul from their destructions, my darling from the lions. I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me. Neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without a cause. For they speak not peace, but they devise deceitful matters against them that are quiet in the land. Yea, they opened their mouth wide against me and said, Aha, aha, our eye hath seen it. This thou hast seen, O Lord. Keep not silence, O Lord. Be not far from me. Stir up thyself and awake to my judgment, even unto my cause, my God and my Lord. Judge me, O Lord, my God, according to thy righteousness, And let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, Ah, so we would have it. Let them not say, 
we have swallowed him up. Let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at mine hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that magnify themselves against me. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his most holy word. Well, we have a wonderful uh, psalm of David here, which speaks of David's persecution. Uh, David was often persecuted in his life. He did not live as a man who lived in great comforts for much of his life. He was pursued by Saul, obviously. He was pursued by his son Absalom, uh, that as well. And then he was pursued a little bit later in his life when he sought to transition the kingdom to his son Solomon by others who would fight for his kingdom against him. So in all of these, uh, these <clears throat> circumstances, we are want to say that David was a man who knew adversity. He knew what it meant to be persecuted, hunted, followed, and so on. Uh, these things, in some sense, we might say, they did David good. They, they uh, taught him, they trained him how to depend upon the Lord in such times. They taught him steadfastness in, in such times. And that he, uh, he would never uh, give up uh, his, his, what he calls here his righteous cause. But there is an assumption in this psalm that we all must make here. Often, I believe, in um, the modern church, if you will, but it's not endemic only to the modern church, but throughout the ages, psalms like Psalm 35 have been misused and misinterpreted because there is one particular element of interpretation or hermeneutics that is necessary in order rightly to understand what David says here in Psalm 35. And that one thing that we must remember is that David is confident that his cause is God's cause. Think about that for a moment. Otherwise, all of this is superfluous. Otherwise, all of this is someone, if we can put it in modern parlance, pursuing their own dream and putting God's stamp of approval on it. And this is often what Christians are told to do. This is not biblical. So, so beloved, we must understand here that, that we assume what David is speaking of here as his cause and his defense and so on, that it is all bound up in the fact that David pursues the glory of God and the kingdom of God above all else. And it is for that cause that he is persecuted chased and hunted now if we put it in that perspective then what will we find out we will find out that that the lord um, as it says toward the end of the psalm takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant because that alone beloved is true prosperity as we seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness as we seek the glory of god that is true prosperity um, it is very popular to turn on christian radio watch christian media 
and you'll hear, you know, I asked the Lord for this, and, you know, so this is my righteous cause. No, that's not how it works. God is not bound to bend to our cause. We are bound to bend to His. So, plead my cause, Lord, with them that strive with me. Of course, David's cause here is the cause of God's glory, the cause of God's kingdom. When we are indeed found in such a way where God's cause has become our cause as well, such that we can rightly and truthfully say, plead my cause, O Lord. It is, you know, in that instant, in that circumstance, that we have good hope for God's deliverance. Good hope for sustaining mercies. Good hope for uh, protection from the Lord. But if we have left the reservation and we're out pursuing our own thing and we've uh, deceived ourselves by putting, uh, you know, the stamp, you know, we've, we, we, put a, we put some holy hardware on it, you know, and, and so here we are then pursuing our own thing and then we may be quite disappointed when that falls to the ground. And we, our faith might be, we, we might be tempted to be shaken in our faith. Beloved, at such times as that, if we follow out this thesis, the Lord is bound to tear that thing down. Just as he was bound to tear off the leaves of self-righteousness from Adam and Eve and clothe them with the skin of another. The Lord will be bound then when you have built up a kingdom, not his, but your own, to tear it down. David is not in danger of that. We know David's righteous cause here is the cause of, of Christ, the cause of his kingdom, the cause of the advancement of the, of the God of Israel over all the earth. And David will sing of that and write of that throughout the Psalms, including this Psalm as well. So, with that as background then, it's easy really to interpret the rest of the psalm. In verses, uh, I have it 1 through 10, we have David's petition first. <coughs> and his petition is, uh, he asks the Lord to take up his cause. This speaks of his good conscience, as we said. He commits his case to the Lord. Um, he, is, he's not, uh, he may not know clearly what the way of justice is, but he will indeed uh, present his case with confidence to the Lord. Uh, this calls upon us to examine our motives, to examine our practices and procedures, whether or not we have pursued a course rightly in accord with justice and mercy. Uh, he asks the Lord to plead for him. The Hebrew word may also mean to strive as to him plead in a courtroom. Right, So the Lord would use his word to vindicate his righteous cause before his enemies. Then uh, he will ask the Lord, uh, I have here seven things. To plead, to fight, to take hold of shield and buckler, to stand up, to draw out the spear, to stop the way, and then to assure, to say to my soul, I am thy salvation. You see, all of these seven Requests here are instructive for us. We can pray those same things. The Psalms are instruction in prayer as well as praise. And then notice we have also um, 
the psalmist is reminded here, David is reminded that he has no ability in himself. David was a mighty man. Remember that there was a time when even Absalom believed that David, as an old man fleeing from him, they, um, uh, Hushai said to him, well, you know, your, your father David, he's going to be like a bear bereaved of her whelps, and you don't want to come upon him. You don't want to catch him like that. You want to let him settle down a little bit. You know what kind of a man he is. But David didn't trust in himself. David trusted in the Lord. The other thing here is that the Lord reveals himself, and he, he often does this. This may shock some people's sensibility. We talked a little bit earlier about armament and war. The Lord often reveals himself as a warrior. Take up shield and buckler, David says to the Lord. The Lord does war for his cause. He does fight and strive for his cause. Remember that when the Lord stops striving, remember what happens? I will not strive with men any longer, the Lord said in what chapter of the Bible? Genesis 6. And what happened when he stopped striving? I'm going to send the flood and destroy them all. Right? The striving of the Lord is indeed, we see it, don't we, ever and over again in Scripture? When the Lord strives, he strives for his people's salvation, doesn't he? Then there are six let thems, David says in in these first ten verses. Let them be confounded. Let them be turned back. Let them be as chaff. Let them be pursued by the angel of the Lord. Let their way be dark and slippery. Let the angel of the Lord persecute them instead. And we'll see this often in the Psalms. What they're doing to me, Lord, make them fall into that pit. They're persecuting me, Lord, persecute them instead. Right? So then, the finish of this section, this first section, let destruction come upon them unawares, and let his own devices be his taking. Then David has some rejoicing confidence In the end of this, all my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee? My soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. Beloved, we do not rejoice in human suffering per se. But when God's enemies, which have because God is our God, have become our enemies as well. When the Lord vindicates his name against his enemies, there is a proper rejoicing Not that they are sent away to everlasting destruction because we know that but for the grace of God there go ourselves but because the Lord has vindicated his great name and he is that judge and that right belongs to him. All right, so then in verses 11 through 16 we have some more circumstances. Uh, This is instructive. The Lord here through his servant David, hears what they have done to his servant. He hears about those circumstances. Did the Lord already know? Yes, he already knew. But the Lord calls upon us to make those circumstances known to him. This is a good example. When we are in any kind of trouble, yes, the Lord already knows. But don't let that stop you from saying that, from from reporting that in your prayers to the Lord. This is part of your communion with him. So he will talk about false witnesses that rose up and they spoke grievous things into his 
bosom, he says, right? And then notice that, that in vindication of his own behavior, <clears throat> excuse me, he will say, when they were grieved, I prayed for them. And so notice that David is here, that type of Christ, who, while on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Christ, who also commanded us to love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us, that what? That we may be the sons of our Father, who causes the sun to rise and set upon the just and unjust. So don't think that's just a New Testament concept. It's not. David did the same. Why? Well, because... David was a Christian, no matter what Isaac Watts tells you. So then, and if you didn't understand that comment, ask me later. So then, uh, with hypocritical mockers, they gnashed upon me with their teeth and so on. So David will present his case before the Lord. And this is not unlawful, beloved. This is a good thing to do. So then in the last section, 17 through 28... David begins this section with the cry that is common among God's people, O Lord, how long? How long wilt thou look on? Rescue my soul from their destructions and my darling from the lions. His darling there is his darling life, right? His soul. It's Hebrew parallelism. Soul and then darling. That dear thing to him. So, his, so the psalmist commits his case to the Lord. He has confidence in God's knowledge of his plight, confidence in God's justice, and he has confidence that the Lord will rectify all injustice. So he holds deliverance in abeyance sometimes for many reasons. Why is the psalmist crying, how long? That we may learn patience. That we may change our focus off of earthly things and comforts. That we may remember that there are things more important than that. To induce us to call upon the Lord and to reveal our dependence upon His grace. To turn our hearts toward His righteousness. When we are persecuted, what ought we to do with that situation? We ought to remember how God is reproached every day by the wicked. When we are persecuted, beloved, we get less than what we deserve. Isn't that true? And so the Lord often brings persecution and difficulty to his people for various reasons. One of those reasons is so that we would be apprised of the offense that sin is to God. God did good toward these that have, I don't know, blown him off. That have hated him and erected a false god instead. And so on. So the psalmist then prays for encouragement from his companions and friends. Here we have Christian communion, right? The communion of saints, where we might be of service one to another, an encouragement to do that which is good, uh, an encouragement to stay the course. I'm puzzling whether or not to say this next thing. Let me just. Out with it. Very often we come to one another and we're not seeking the right thing. Oh, this person has wronged me. They've done me wrong. And we're seeking commiseration. Someone to feel sorry for us. 
What we ought to be seeking is that someone would rise up and tell us the truth. And that is, you haven't been uh, misused or offended by this person greater than what you deserve. And you should be mindful to stay the course under these things. And show what steadfastness and love is even in the face of being offended by others. So David calls for others to assist him and be an encouragement to him at this time. But, but beloved, we want those to be true encouragements. Yes, our hearts do go out to those who are injured or persecuted. Yes, our hearts go out. But don't let your heart go out to the way or to the expense of the truth, beloved. Don't let it do that. Once again, the psalmist lists the persecutions he is undergoing. The Lord knows, yet he, yet he calls us, the Lord calls us to tell him all of our hearts. And then finally, the psalmist is confident in the Lord's deliverance. David asks that the Lord would rise up to his own righteousness, right? God's own righteousness. Judge me, defend me, deliver me according to thy righteousness, not mine. Thine. David is content to commit himself to God's judgment. Right? <clears throat> His assumption is that for having followed the Lord, he is brought to this persecution, and it is in this sense that David seeks the Lord's vindication. We always remember 1 Peter chapter 4 when we come across a passage like this, don't we? Where Peter will say, Now don't suffer as an evildoer. If you do wrong and you're buffeted for it, that's, that's what you, you're just getting what, you, what, what the Lord would have you to get for, for your correction. Don't say you're being persecuted. Don't, be, don't act offensively and then someone calls you on it and say, oh, you're persecuting me. Don't do that. Rather, if you're going to suffer, Peter says, suffer for righteousness sake. So we have to remember that when we come to a passage like this. It is clear here then that David speaks as a prophet and that this is a, is a messianic psalm as we close. We want to remember that, that many of these things that David says here that came against him also came against Christ. But when they come against Christ, they come against him to an infinite degree, seeing that he is God himself and the Savior of the world. Right? All right, and then finally, uh, David ends with a confession of the Lord's goodness. My tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. <clears throat> and so with one breath, David will say, how long? And with the next breath, David will praise the righteousness of the Lord all the day long. Let's stand and call upon the Lord.